Good morning. Today's daf is daf Kuf Aleph. Um, officially, we'll start at uh, line five, but I'm going to go back a few lines just to catch us up to where we are, um, as it's in the middle of a discussion. I won't go into as much detail as yesterday, but we'll just go through the um, through the points. Um, today's shiur is Ilumishma Shmuel Yechezkel Ben Shlomo, and um, sorry, I forgot the other name. And Ben Sion Ben Zeev Avram Halevi, may the neshamas have an aliyah and their memory be a blessing. Um, so yesterday we started off the sugya which we said was called um, Kiddush B'Mokom Suda. It started with the discussion of um, just Machloikes Rav and Shmuel regarding. Um, it says so. It's just uh, towards the bottom of the previous Amud. Kuf Amud Bay is 100B. It says, Oy Samanei Odom Shekidshu Bubeis HaKneses, Omer Rav Yedei Yain Lo Yotsu, Yedei Kiddush Yotsu. Rav says, those people who hear, sh- who hear Kiddush in Shul, Rav says they do not fulfill their obligation of wine. I, since they don't drink in the Shul, even if they did have some wine to drink in the Shul, when they go home, moving from one place to another is not a continuation and therefore they would have to say a new Bray often. But Yedei Kiddush Yotsu, they do fulfill their obligation for Kiddush. They've heard Kiddush, and what do you need? You need to hear Shabbos being sanctified and declared that it's now Shabbos, and he's fulfilled that. So Shmuel, Amar, and Shmuel says, Af Kiddush lo yotsu. Shmuel says, no, he doesn't fulfill Kiddush. And we'll come back to Shmuel's reason very shortly why you don't fulfill Kiddush. So according to Rav, if you fulfill your mitzvah of Kiddush at home, why do you need to say Kiddush? If you fulfilled your mitzvah, sure, why do you need, why does everyone say Kiddush again at home? So he answers, No, to fulfill, to be Yotze, those who have not yet heard Kiddush, his uh, children, his wife, etc. Um, interesting enough, something to think about, but this is important. You can say Kiddush on behalf of someone, even if you've already heard Kiddush, and even if you've already fulfilled your obligation of Kiddush. I'm not going to go into that point now, but that's, we do see that from here. According to Shmuel, who says you don't fulfill your obligation, but here in Kiddush in Shul, why do, you, why do we bother to say it in Shul? You're going to have to say it at home anyway, because it doesn't count as a mitzvah in Shul, as the mitzvah in Shul. So he says, It's to fulfill obligation of the visitors who are staying in the Shul, who also who eat, drink, and sleep in the shul. Come back to that point in a moment. And it says, And this is Shmuel according to his understanding that we'd say, There is only Kiddush B'mokom Suda. You have to, you only fulfill Kiddush if you say Kiddush where you are having your Suda, where you're having your Shabbos meal. Now, just Tosfos here, this is the one point I wanted to add in, I forgot to bring in yesterday. Tosfos here ask, what do you mean, eat, sl- eat and drink and sleep in a shul? 
You're not allowed to eat and drink and sleep in a shul. So what are we referring to? And he says, oh, some people think, no, if it's a shul in Bavel, it's permitted. And he brings a, a, a proof from the Gomorrah that Afilu Bavishal Bavel, you're not allowed to eat because there was a case of Ravina and Rav Adbarava who didn't even want to go into a shul because it was raining, except that they needed to learn. And if they were standing outside in the rain, they wouldn't be able to think clearly. But we see, so, um, so definitely even shuls in Bavel have Kedusha, and therefore, you can't eat and drink and sleep in them. So what does it mean to fulfill the Orchim, to be Yotze for the Orchim who eat, drink and sleep in the shul? So he wants to say, No, what it's not referring to the actual base Knesset. They didn't literally eat and drink and sleep in the shul. What they used to do, would um, they would in a, stay in a room adjoining shul. Okay, and then you run into... Issues of weight, but that's not Kiddush B'Makam Suri. You're hearing Kiddush in the shul, and you're walking into your room next door the shul, into the accommodation next door the shul. Is that still Kiddush B'Makam Surah? So we'll come to that later, but you'd have to assume that it is Kiddush B'Makam Surah. Then, um, yeah, then one more question before we go further in the sugya is Kiddush B'Makam Surah Doraiso Drabonim. And it's a good opportunity to revise the Ram, the Rashbam we learned yesterday, gave two reasons for Kiddush B'Makam Surah. The one he brought from the Pasuk in, he said the Midrash makes the following drosh on the Pasuk in Yeshaya. It says, V'karasa the Shabbos Oneg, you must declare Shabbos as a time of enjoyment. But he says, he makes the, the Midrash makes a drosh, but Makam Shatok Koyre Le Shabbos. I, in the place where you declare a Shabbos, where you say Kiddush, Shomtahe Oneg, that must be where you're having your Oneg, that must be where you're enjoying your Seuda. So Kiddush B'mokom Suda is based on a Pasuk in the Vim, um, that you must have your Oneg, you must say Kiddush where you're having your Oneg Shabbos, where you fulfill it, where you're having your Seuda. If it's based on, well, obviously then, if it's based on a theme, it would be a mitzvah, midivrei kabbalah. Divrei kabbalah doesn't mean mysticism. It means, uh, in Chazal's terminology, it means uh, nevim. Um, so, um, yeah, well, we can maybe another time discuss why nevim, their words are called divrei kabbalah. Um, but it's from the nevim, so it's definitely not Doraisa. It would only fall into the category of maybe Drabonin, high-level Drabonin, because it's based on Nevua. But again, it would only be Drabonin. But then the Rashbam came along and gave a second answer. He says, Inami Svorahu. Maybe it's based on a, a Tzvorah. It says, Mida Ikva Kiddush We learn, we're going to learn on Davkuvov that you have to say Kiddush on wine. Zohrei, the Pesach says, Zohar es Yom HaShabbos. How do you fulfill Zohar es Yom HaShabbos? It's Zohrei al Say Kiddush over one. So if you learn that, now is that a real drosha? That's a machlok as we showing him over there. Um, according to one version in Tosos, that's also only an asmachta. This that it says, you must say Kiddush over one and it connects it to a Pesach in the Chumash. That's only an asmachta. It's not a real drosha and therefore it would still only be Drabonin. But there is a version there. That holds that Kiddush B'mokom Suda is, that, sorry, that this obligation to say Kiddush is over one is a mitzvah de'oraisa. Um, it's a mitzvah de'oraisa, and therefore the svara that would apply it only at what one would it be referring to if not the one in the Suda which gives it more, more significance, that could also be de'oraisa because generally something said based on svara 
based on a logical deduction is also considered, well, if it stems from a, from a Doraisa, it would also be Doraisa. So according to that version in the Rambam, maybe it is actually Doraisa. Now, we don't have to speculate whether it's a Mahlokes of Kiddush, but Mokom Sur is Doraisa or Dorabonet, because amongst, the, amongst other Rishonim, the Rosh discusses it explicitly. He brings from Rabbeinu Yona that... Uh, the Rosh brings from Rabbeinu Yona that Kiddush B'mokom Suri is only a mitzvah to Rabbonin. It's only a rabbinic obligation. But Rabbi Akiva Eger says, if you look at the Rosh, it's not so clear what he holds. But Rabbi Akiva Eger says that the Rosh holds it actually to Araisa. So they definitely reshine him who learn that it's to Rabbonin and reshine him who learn that it is to Araisa. Okay, so that's the point. Is Kiddush B'mokom Suri this the requirement? And we're going to see Paskin Lakshmo. But this requirement to have that you only yoytze kiddush if you have it by where you have your meal, that's a machloikes whether it's Torah or Drabonin. Now, for us, the Shmuel Tamei, yeah, sorry, thank you, Shalom. Now, we, let's go on to the next one. For Sovor Minei, what is, now we're going to go into, what is considered B'mokom Suda? Is it in the same city? Is it in the same room? What's B'mokom Suda? So, Sovor Minei, Hanimili Mibayis Labayis, Aval Mimokom Lo Mokom Bechad Beisalot. Initially, the Talmudim heard this. When's it not considered Kiddush B'makom Surah? When it's going from one house to the other. But in one house, I Rashbam gives an example of upstairs and downstairs. I guess one side of your, they, they, their houses were generally one room. But from one, if you have many rooms in your house, from one room to another, or an upstairs to a downstairs, or maybe from your house to your garden, one play, uh, different places in one house, Law, it would not it would not be a problem and it would still qualify as Kiddush Mawakam Surah. Omalahu Rav Anan Bar Taklifa. Rav Anan Bar Taklifa said to them, No, Zimni Sagin have a Kame Kamina Kame Dishmul. Sometimes I was visiting Bashmul, but Nochis Me'agra La Agra, Vahara Makadesh. He would go from his upstairs to his downstairs and only then say Kiddush. Ah, he wouldn't say Kiddush upstairs and go downstairs to eat. He would make sure to go downstairs. So based on the simple reading of this, it's only Kiddush B'mokom Su'uda if it's it's only Kiddush B'mokom Su'uda if it's in the same room, if it's even from one place in your house to another, like upstairs to downstairs, you wouldn't be Yoitse Kiddush B'mokom Su'uda. I'll touch on the two important questions that we're going to ask. I mean, there are three general questions, but... um, What's B'mokom Surah? What's the place? Where do, do we, and I'll discuss Lahalocha at the end, but where do we define as being in the Mokom Surah? And the second question we're going to deal with is, what is considered a Surah? What do you actually have to eat to be Yoitse Kiddush B'mokom Surah? I'll discuss both those questions at the end of the Sugya, of, at, the, at the end of the Sugya, at the bottom of the page. Says, we see Rav Huna also holds, we, you only yoyte Kiddush if it's where you have your meal. To Rav Huna, Kodesh vis akrele shraga. Rav Huna once said Kiddush and then a candle got knocked over, maybe got blown over or something. But it went out. He made, Rav Huna made Kiddush. His candle got blown out and he didn't want to eat in the dark. It was too difficult, too unpleasant. So he took all his kalim, 
all his food and he went to where his son's Sheva brachas were taking place because he knew there would definitely be candles there. And he said Kiddush again and he ate there. By the fact that he repeated Kiddush when he got there, we see where he, his first Kiddush where he didn't eat didn't count. Even Rabbah holds that Kiddush has to be said where you're having your meal. To Omar Abayi, If we, when we were in Yeshiva and we were by Mar, by Rabbah, and he would say Kiddush, Omar Lam Timimiru, he would tell us to taste something. Because maybe you're going to get home to your. To, you're going to go to your residence, you're going to go where you're staying, and the candle's going to be out. Sorry. And it's going to turn out that you're not going to eat or say Kiddush where you ate because you heard Kiddush here. You're going to get to your residence um, where you're staying, and you're not going to, it's going to be dark, so you're not going to feel like saying Kiddush or eating. And you won't have heard Kiddush. And this that you're hearing Kiddush in my house, well, you're not eating. So therefore you wouldn't be Oitsa Kiddush. I have, so that's why Rabbi used to tell them, have a little bit to eat now. There's one interesting thing they point out from here. We see Rabbi wasn't too concerned that they would miss. We know that there's an obligation to have three meals on Shabbos. Rabbi wasn't concerned that they would miss their third meal if they didn't have. He doesn't say, you better eat something here in case you get back home and you don't eat. His only concern was that they didn't have Kiddush B'mokom Surah. Oh, but what about the three meals? So, where necessary, if for whatever reason you miss Friday night, you can still fulfill your obligation of three meals in Shabbos day. So, uh, someone has a very hectic Friday or they're not feeling well, or here they get back home and it's the, the lights are out or whatever. You get home from shul and it's load shedding and it's just dark and unpleasant and you just want to go straight to bed. So you have a good excuse. You can have your three, instead of having your first meal on Friday night, you have your three meals during the day. But Rabbi still said you've got to be careful. You still have an obligation to have Kiddush. And you also have to have Kiddush B'mokom Su'udah. So um, you're going to have to get around those things. But yeah, now... We'll touch on that when we come to, as I mentioned, the one question is, what can you say Kiddush on? Then we say, any, is this really true that Rabbah Paskin Lakshmul, that ain't Kiddush B'mokam Surah, says, V'homar Abayah called me lidamar have avid karav lebar me'anit lasto avid kishmul. All these teachings of Rav, sorry, um, Rabbah always followed Rav, except for three cases where he followed Shmuel. I, whenever you see a machlok as Rav and Shmuel, Rav always followed Rav, except in three cases. What are they? You can take tzitzis of one garment and move them to another garment. We don't treat it as disrespectful to the initial garment because the primary thing is to do the mitzvah and you're still going to be doing the mitzvah because you're moving those tzitzis to a new garment. You are allowed to light from one Hanukkah candle directly to the next Hanukkah candle. We're particular about this and we use a shamas to light the candles, but strictly speaking, according to... Um, the halacha, strictly speaking, like Shmuel, unlike Rav, who says, no, you have to, you can't light directly from one candle to the next. The halacha, Rabbi Shimon, and the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon regarding dragging. What's that? The Tanya, as we learned in the Bible, Rabbi Shimon, Oimer, Goirer Odom Mita Kisei Vesafsel, Beshabbos, Uvilvad Shaloh Yiskaven Lasos Choret. Rabbi Shimon says a person is allowed to drag a bench on Shabbos as long as he doesn't have intent to make a pharaoh. 
What, what's that? This is the famous Dovar Shadim Iskaven. You're allowed to do a permitted act on Shabbos, even though uh, Isur Melocha, one of the 39 Melochas, might result as long as you don't have intent for that Melocha. So, for example, you've got a bench in the flower bed and you want to move it to the other side of your garden so you're going to drag it along the flower bed now it might dig a furrow which will be perfect for you to plant your new flower seeds you got in but since that's not your intent your intent is just to move the garden the bench from one side of the garden to the other side it's permitted that's a double shame he's covering where he paskins like shmuel that it's permitted so but again we just said that he paskins like Back to our question, is we said Shmuel pas, um, a rabba paskins like Rav always, except in three cases he paskins like Shmuel. And we just brought a case where regarding Kiddush B'mokom Surah, he paskins, remember Rav holds you don't need Kiddush B'mokom Surah. Shmuel's the one who says you have to have Kiddush B'mokom Surah. So how can Rav follow Shmuel? Yeah, he says, Kachumre de Rav have Ovid. Kukule de Rav lo have Ovid. No. He went always, um, Shmuel, uh, sorry, Rabba always went strict like Rav, but not lenient like Rav. That we found that he sometimes went lenient, um, strict like Shmuel. For example, as we've just learned, he says you do have to have Kiddush Bamakam Surah, which is like Shmuel. I mean, interesting enough, the Rashman points out, he says, wait, but didn't we learn in a Ruvin? Um, this is going back quite a bit. That's someone who follows the stringencies of Beis Shammai and the stringencies of Beis Hillel is a fool, or someone who follows the leniencies of both, of two opinions, is a Rasha. So how come here, how can Rabbi here follow the stringencies of Rab and the stringencies of Shmuel? Isn't that being a fool, as the Gemara in, uh, elsewhere says? So he reminds us that, no, that's specifically where they mutually exclusive halachas. I in one halacha to follow one Rav and another halacha to follow another Rav. I in this halacha we follow Rav Moshe Feinstein and in that halacha we're going to follow the Mishra And in another halacha we're going to follow um, the Orach HaShulchan, just for example. Then that's fine. But if in, those are all different halachas, but if in one halacha where they mutually exclusive opinions to follow the stringencies of both opinions, well, that's a fool. That's, uh, that's how, uh, that's what the Rashbam points out on that, on that case. Now let's just answer from, let's just answer the questions I started off the sugya with. What's the place? What's considered B'mokom Surah? And what's considered, and then the second question we'll do with is, what do you have to eat? So, What's clear from our sugya is going from one house to the next is not Kiddush B'mokum Surah. Therefore, if you're eating, um, if you're saying Kiddush in your house and you're going to go to your neighbor's for supper, or you're saying Kiddush at Shul and you're going to go home to eat, that's definitely not Kiddush B'mokum Surah. It's two different houses. Um, some hold, and this is brought in, in Shulchan Aruch, that... As long as you can see the place where you said Kiddush, it's still B'mokom Surah. So, for example, if you say Kiddush inside and then to go outside to your garden where you can still see the table where you had Kiddush, you could be Yotze Kiddush B'mokom Surah. I'll tell you where that's very practical and uh, I'm not going to paskin now, but uh, many people rely on this, is this Erev Pesach is Shabbos. Now, you want to have Challah at your Surah Shabbos, but your whole house is Pesachic. So where are you going to eat your chalas? You can't have them at the kiddush table. 
at, at your table where you're going to have your meal and you're going to eat your Pesadic food, you're going to want to have them outside or in a different room. So you can probably, there's a good chance, since it's a Shasat Chak, it's a pressing situation, you, you can say Kiddush at your dining room table where you can have most of your food and you can go outside for your bread as long as you can see your table. Because then, again, that's relying on this opinion, as long as you can see where you said Kiddush, it's still considered Kiddush B'Mokom um, Su'uda. What is definitely considered Kiddush B'Mokom Su'uda is if it's in the same room. Even if it's a huge banquet hall. Um, let's say you say, you say Hamot, you, uh, even if it's a huge banquet hall, a huge, huge room, and you move from one corner of the room to the opposite corner, of the, and say Kiddush, and then you move to the opposite corner of the room to sit and eat your meal, that's fine in one room. And then some are lenient and hold that in one house, obviously not going from one house to another house, but in one house, if you had in mind when you said Kiddush to eat in another part of that house, then, um, then you're Yoytzeh. So let's say I have in mind that I'm going to say Kiddush in the dining room and go eat the Chomets in the playroom. Since I had in mind at Kiddush and it is still in the same house, you say. And the Mechaber says that that's Ikar, that's the primary halacha, so you can rely on that. And as I said, we generally try to say Kiddush at the same table. That's why many hold you should eat. That's one of the reasons people say you must sit when you say Kiddush. Again, another discussion, another reason that people say you must sit when you say Kiddush, because that's more Kiddush B'mokom so that's at the exact table you're going to eat. Whereas if you're standing in a way, you're kind of walking around, you know, in a way when you're standing, you're not sat at the table and it takes away from Kiddush B'mokom Surah. That's one of the reasons given to sit for Kiddush. Um, but, so, th- yeah, so therefore, we do try have Kiddush B'mokom Suda say Kiddush in the same room that you're going to be eating. And obviously, we would go further away. Next best would be to say Kiddush where you can see where you're eating or eat where you can see that you made Kiddush. And third best would be to have in mind that where you're saying Kiddush, have in mind that you're going to say Kiddush here and eat your meal in another room in the house or another part of the house. And that would be good enough. Again, but to go say Kiddush in one house and move to another house, you'd not be Yoitze Kiddush B'mokom Sura. Okay, and then the second question, what must you eat? So just from our sugya, what did Rabbi tell his Talmidim? Rabbi told his Talmidim, that was the one story brought. Rabbi said, you guys, I'm saying Kiddush now, you better have something to eat. Taste something, that's the... told his students, you better ta'imidi, taste something here, so that... Sorry, so the question we're going into now is what do you have to eat to fulfill Kiddush B'mokom Surah? So Rabbi told his Talmidim, you know, I'm making Kiddush here, taste something, toy midi, taste something, so that you fulfill Kiddush B'mokom Surah, otherwise when you get home, you might not, you might, it might be dark, and you're not going to want to eat there, and you're not going to have Kiddush where your meal was, and you're not going to be yotzeh Kiddush B'mokom Surah. Tamo midi on the one hand sounds very much like just have anything to eat, have a little bit of food. But Tosos point out, and they base it on, obviously Tosos bring proof from other Gemara, that the language in, I guess in Shas, it may be in, in Bavel, taste tamu midi actually means have bread, eat some bread. So, and that's how Tosos learn. Um,
um, sorry, well, um, so therefore Tosfos learn um, that you actually have to have bread. And he says, oh, this we find the leniency that you don't have to have bread at every meal. He says that specifically for Surah Shrishit that you could get away without having bread because Surah Shrishit there's no Kiddush. But on Friday night and Shabbos morning, your Surah's there where you have to have Kiddush. You have to have bread to be Yoytze Kiddush B'Makum Surah. That's Toysfus. Um, the Go'oinim, they bring now, you can fulfill it with Pasap or Bakisnim. You can fulfill it with any significant food. Um, and that's what we rely on on Shabbos mornings. So back back in the day when shuls used to have brachas, everyone, you go to shul, you hear kiddush, and you, you hear kiddush, and you have some mazonas. So clearly, that's not following Tosfos, That's following the Gainim that you can get away with. Um, um, you can get away with just pasabobakistin with what we would call mazonas, cake, biscuits, crackers, things like that. Um, the Groh actually paskins like Tosfos. The Groh says, in that case, you would not be Yoytze Kiddush B'Mokom Suda. And interesting enough, it would come out that you cannot eat at a... If you paskin like the Groh, it would come out that you cannot eat at a bracha because you need to have Kiddush before you eat. And you can't... Uh, you need to have Kiddush before you eat. And your Kiddush doesn't count if it's if you're not going to vas and vas and have bread there. Okay, there are ways around to say that even relying on a brocha is relying on two different shittas and it could fit in with the Vilnagon, with the, the Gros opinion, but not so straightforward. Um, more simple to say that we, our minag is to go like the Goinim. One further interesting point, the Mishra Brewer, he brings us by the morning. In the morning, we're more lenient because at, on Friday night, the Kiddush is Doraisa. Okay, whether over one and Bavakam Suda, those Doraisa, but the Kiddush is Doraisa. So we stricter and not, but in the morning we're a bit more lenient, and therefore the Mishra brings even Veshas Chak. You could get away with having fruit and things like that. Obviously, the more Choshev, the better, the more significant the food, the better. Like rather meat or something, but if someone's elderly or sick or there's no other option, you can be Yotze Kiddish B'Mokom Suda even on fruit and things like that. Um, okay, let's go on. So now we mentioned earlier, so remember Rav says, if you hear Kiddush in Shul, you're gonna, or you, and you drink some of the wine, you're still going to have to say a new Borei Priyagofen when you get home. Because saying a Broch in Shul, is a, is, it's a separate drinking of wine, and it's a hefsek, and you would have to say a new Borei Priyagofen. It says, Omar, third last line of Kuf Aleph Amud Beis, Omar, Nami Yatsu. Even... Wine, you fulfill your obligation. I, when you said Kiddush and Shul and you had something to drink there, not only do you fulfill Kiddush, do you not have to worry about Kiddush Malcolm Soda, you can even go home and drink wine straight away because you said Hakofen and Shul with intent to drink. Um, you, you drank wine in Shul and you have intent to drink, continue drinking at home, so it's considered wine drinking. He says, this is Rabbi Yochanan according to his general opinion. The Om Rabbi Chanin Barabaya, Omar Rabbi Padas, Rav Chanin Barabaya said in the name of Rabbi Padas, Omar Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Echod Shinu Yayin, the Echod Shinu Mokom. Whether you change your type of wine or whether you change your place, Ain Sorich Levorech, you don't have to say a new bracha. I'll come to the Shinu Yayin soon. He says, Maisibay, they challenge Shinu Mokom, Sorech Levorech. If you change your place, you do have to say a brocha. So this is a brace against Rabbi Yochanan. Shinu Yayin, ain't Sorech Levorech, but a Shinu Yayin, you do not have to say a new brocha. Tiyufta to Rabbi Yochanan, Tiyufta, that is a rejection 
of Rabbi Yochanan. Okay, so we reject Rabbi Yochanan's opinion that if you change places, if you drink wine in one place, this could it doesn't even have to be at shul. We can avoid the questions of shinui, of uh, we can avoid the questions of uh, kiddush mawakum surah. But it could be in the weekday or on Purim. You had wine at your one Purim surah, and now you're moving to your friend's house, and you want to have a glass of wine there. You'd have to say a new bracha because you changed the place where you had wine. Um, what is this um, shinui in changing wine? So very interestingly, there's a discussion that Toss was going to hear a bit. Um, and it's discussed in Maseches Brochas, but generally wine's very chosh. And you might have thought if you go from a sweet wine to a dry wine, a white wine to a red wine or something like that, you would have to say another brocha. And we don't. If you said on wine, that covers all the wine you're going to drink. However, there is what's called hatova motive. There's an opinion in the Gemara that if you're having a second type of wine, you say a you, 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 you're right, you don't say a new Borei Priyagofen, but you'd say Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Olam Borei Priyagofen. Now, I don't want to go into all the details, but it's, it hardly ever turns out that you do say Atova Meitiv because of the various machlokes. For example, it has to be two people eating together, at least. You can't be you by yourself. And theoretically, they have to be joined in that bottle of wine. Okay, so when the Balabais puts wine on the table for anyone to drink, they're all joined in that wine. They also, again, a range of opinions, but it had to be that you didn't plan on bringing out that wine at the meal. If I'm the Balabais and I know I'm going to serve everyone white wine or sweet wine for Kiddush, and then I'm going to bring out a bottle of dry red, even though it's Shinu and since I was planning on doing that anyway, it's a good chance you don't say Atova Meitiv. Um, another factor is that the wine has to be better, according to many opinions. So therefore, if I'm bringing out, if we're having one bottle of wine and then we finish it and I bring out another bottle of wine, granted it's very special that we're having a whole new bottle of wine, um, who says it's better? And this always reminds me, it's, uh, I found it a very funny, it's a Tosfos in uh, Avodah not going to go into what Tosfos is going, the reason Tosfos is bringing it there, but Tosfos says, says, how do you judge what's considered a good wine? Um, what's considered a mature wine. He says, you'll give one person wine and he'll say it's the best wine he's ever had and you'll give that same wine to a person and he'll say it's vinegar. So, uh, so therefore, it's very hard to weigh up what uh, type of wine. And I actually heard my grandfather once at a suda. So my grandfather at the yeshiva, it was Friday night, and my grandfather obviously made kiddush over the wine that the yeshiva had. And one of the bochrim had another bottle of wine, and he brought it out, and he asked my grandfather if he wants to say a tova meitiv. And my grandfather was very reluctant, and I think one of, one of his reasons was, says, who says that wine, that wine is better than the wine I made kiddush on, even though many people preferred that wine. And uh, I think as the, the, these other complications, if, the, if it was going to be brought out anyway, it wasn't like, oh, let's actually have a new bottle of wine we weren't planning on bringing, you know, or a wine that wasn't in that house. So, Hatov we hardly ever say. So, yeah, so just to clarify, before you say Hatov you have to learn the halachas extremely well. So, uh, I forgot what simon it is, but it's in uh, Shulchan Aruch. Um, yeah, I don't remember what simon in Shulchan Aruch, but it's a simon, it's a, it's a specific simon that discusses saying this Hatov HaMetiv on one. You have to learn those halachas very, very well before you can actually say Hatov HaMetiv. And you'll come out that there, there's hardly ever a scenario that you can actually say it.
Again, there are other rabbis with different approaches of why you should, but that's how I came out when I looked into it. Um, then, so we just mentioned in the Brisa that if you change your place, you have to say a new brach on the food you're eating. So you're drinking wine in one place or eating fruit in one place, and then you move to somewhere else. You have to say a new bracha. It says, Idi was sitting before Rav Chizda Yosef. Rav Chizda Omar Mishmaid Rav Huna and Rav Chizda was giving over in the name of Rav Huna. This that we said, this that we said, if you change your place, you move to another house to, and to continue eating there, or, and you're going to eat there, you have to say a new brach. This is specifically if you move from one house to another. But if you move from one room to another room in that house, you don't have to change. You don't have to say a new bracha. So if you move from your, you, you had some wine in the kitchen and then you move to the dining room, you wouldn't have to say a new bracha. Um, interestingly enough, um, many Rishonim have the girsi here. Lo shanu ele mi bayis le bayis aval mi pina mi pina lo. says, no, moving from one place to another and... But it's, but sorry, this that you don't have to say a new bracha is if you're moving from one corner in the room to another. But that would imply if you're moving from one room in the house to another room in the house, you would have to say a new bracha. And that's how many Rishonim hold. Um, I don't think we're that strict. And um, there's an interesting discussion how the Shinui Mokom regarding having to say a new bracha overlaps with Kiddush B'Mokom Surah. Do they have the same requirements or not? I mean, we mentioned four, four different opinions or four options of what would be or would not be considered Shinui B'Mokom um Kiddush B'Mokom Surah, how, would this be the same as Shinu Mokom? We're not going to go into it now. It says, but Omar, so, so Rav Huna said it's only in one house to, an, to another that you'd have to say a new bracha, but from one place in that house to another place in that same house, you would not have to say a new bracha. Omar Ravidi Baravin, Hachi Tanina, he says, Liba Manisa Devei Rav Hinek, for Omri Loi, Pamanisa Devei Rav Hinek, Kavai Seich. He says, Oh, Rafidi Bar says we heard, we had a brisa which taught the, from the Devei Rav Hinak or Devei Bar Hinak that taught the exact same thing like you just said. Says now the Gemara asks So what is Rav Huna just coming to repeat a brisa? Says no, Rav Huna Manisa Loi Shamalei. Rav Huna didn't hear that brisa, and that's what. So he gave it in his own. He gave it over as his own teaching. The that you have to say. That it only applies from one house to another, then you'd have to say a new bracha, but from one place to another in the same house, you would not have to say a new bracha. And they brought a brisa that he hadn't heard. The Rashbam says to take out these last two lines. He says, What do you mean? We find throughout Shas that Amorayim suggest a principle, and we never, uh, a halacha, based on their logic, their understanding, and we don't find that they bring a brisa. And then the Gomorrah will mention someone who knew a brisa that lines up with that opinion. He says, we never expect the Amoraim to know every Brisa. As we've mentioned in the past, the Mishnah is the primary, let's call it oral law, the, what Rebbe Yehuda Nasi compiled is the primary law, that's the Mishnah. And every Amorah based to be in Yeshiva had to know all of Mishnah. But then there are many, many, were, and especially in their times, there were many collections of Brisa. We said the Tana of Abraham Shmuel, the Brisa from the Yeshiva of Rebbe Shmuel. There's the Tosefta, the Sifri, Sifra, um, Tana, um, Tana de Veilia, we come across many different collections of prices, 
and the Amor, the Tanoim were actually not didn't the Amoraim didn't necessarily know every single brisa. So he says, so what, why would the Gemara be surprised that Rav Huna never heard this brisa? Okay, Vitu Yosef Rav Chizda was also saying in his own name. I the furthest teaching we just said was in the name of Rav Huna, Rav Chizda in the name of Rav Huna. Now Rav Chizda said it based on his own understanding. Now he is going to. Um, qualify the halacha based on a discussion in brachas. The discussion there is if you didn't say benching, you, you ate your meal in one place and then you got up and you didn't say benching. Do you have to go back to where you ate your meal and say benching? But the conclusion there is that both Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai, if you left the place where you ate on purpose, aware that you still had to bench, and you said, I don't care, I'm going, uh, I need to go now, and you left to work, there's a penalty and you have to go back to where you um, um, back to where you vast and ate your meal to bench. So this is, again, this is if you vast and you ate in one place, there's a time when you could have to go back to where you ate to bench. Now, the Rishonim there discuss three-way machloket. What would you have to go back and bench for? To, um, You know, some opinions hold it is specifically for Birchas Amazon. Any other food that you ate in one place and then you move to somewhere else, you can say your bracha chrona where you are, except bread. Bread, there's a time when you would have to go back to where you ate your bread originally. Tosfos, um, the Rosh amongst others, they hold that. It's anything that you say ala on. So if you had cake or biscuits or crackers, something like that, that you say ala on, if you there would be a time when you would have to go back and say ala on on there. The Rashbam in Al-Sugya, the Rambam amongst others, they hold that no. Anything you have to say, birchas achas ma'in sholosh. So even any fruit of the seven species, wine, and all these things that you'd say, birchas achas ma'in sholosh. Whether it's ala michia, ala eitz, ala gofen, you would have to go back to the original place you ate. Okay, so keep that in mind throughout the sugya when we discuss. We'll follow the rashbam, as I said, just when we're going through the Gemara, we'll go through it like the rashbam, um, so that, but bear in mind that there are different opinions that on there, that there are certain foods, basically anything you say, birchas achas main shalosh, that there are times when you would have to go back to where you ate them to say the after bracha. So he says, This that we said, if you change your place, you have to say a new bracha. This is specifically things that do not require a bracha afterwards. In the original place where you said where you ate them. But things that do require you to go back and say the bracha in the original place. You don't have to say a new bracha. You're really just continuing your meal. But the fact that you would have to go back, you clearly, when you moved places, you're, you're, it gives you a sense of, I don't know, feels, fixedness that your meal's continuing. And therefore, yeah, as the, the Rasha says, Your whole intent was always, to continue your first meal and eat it over here. For those who are, yeah, for those who are into reading the Rashbam carefully, that's why he starts off this Rashbam Kloimar. Generally, what you would have translated Kvir Kamahadar, he's returning to his original fixed state, 
sounds more like he has to go back there or he's going back. And that's why he says, Kalomar, it means to say, Ay, it's just in his mind. His intent is always based on his original su'uda to continue, to continue that. Rav Sheshesh says, no, even things that you'd have to go back to your original, that there are times when you'd have to go back, you still have to say a new brach if you're in a new place. Mesibay, they challenged us. If you have a group of people who were eating or drinking, gather, sitting around drinking, and they they got up, why would they leave? To greet a bride or a groom. When they return or when they're leaving, they don't have to say a bracha on what they've already drunk. They don't have to say a new bracha. This is specifically where they leave an elderly person or a sick person there. I, not necess- it does, obviously, it doesn't have to be a sick or an elderly person. It's just who would have not taken the opportunity to go accompany the bride and the groom. Must be someone who can't really move. So, but so below, when they get back, well, they'll have to say after bracha when they leave, and when they carry on, they have to say a new bracha. Tosos point out, it's really, you don't have to say an after bracha. After bracha can accompany all things. It's specifically a new bracha. It's just advising you. Before you get up from your meal, say your after bracha. Go accompany the bride and the groom, you might realize that you're going to stay longer, or you're not going to get time, or you're going to forget to go back. So say the bracha achrona and then leave. But strictly speaking, if you didn't say bracha achrona and you go back to your original place, you would have to say a new bracha rishona, but you would not have to say a bracha achrona. You'd only say one bracha achrona at the end. Oh, midiktani, oh, now we bring out our question. It says, by the fact that it uses the phrase Okuraglayam, they uprooted their feet, they got up, it implies it's they had a kfius. It was something that they would have had to return to the original place to say they're off the bracha. Vitaima, but it qualified and says Vitaima Dehinikushom Zokenochola. The only reason that you don't have to say a a new bracha rishona bracha before you continue drinking when you get back is because you left an elderly person or a sick person. That's why they don't have to say a new after bracha bracha rishoyna. But if they did not leave anyone there, it implies that when they leave, they should say their after bracha. And when they get back, they would have to say a new bracha rishoyna. Again, what's our proof? Is we said that if you have a group of people sitting around and eating or drinking and they get up and they leave, when they come back, they have to say a new bracha. It says, Isn't that a, that seems to be very difficult according to Rav Chizda. It says, No, who's the Tanu who teaches this concept of leaving a meal? It says, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, it's Rabbi Yehuda. If you had a group of scholars who were eating and they uprooted their feet, I, they broke their meal and they went to Shul or Yeshiva, when they leave, they do not require a new bracha. When they return, 
they do have to say a new bracha. So that's uh, Rebbe, that's the Tanakama, that they don't have to say a new bracha. It says, He qualifies us. Now, interesting enough, whenever you find in a Mishnah or a Brisa Rebbe Yehuda saying, which sounds, when do we say this? It sounds like he's qualifying it, but he's actually arguing. That's Gomorrah uh, elsewhere that teaches us this. Um, but so, no, that's where some people were left at the meal, because then it retains its kfios. If there was no one left at the original place, they would have to say a new bracha. So what do we see in short from here? Um, the Tanakama holds that if you had this group of scholars that were eating and they got up to go to shul, when they come back, they don't have to say a new bracha. Obviously, the original kfios remains because it was a food that theoretically they would have to go back for, that they could, in some cases, have to go back for and say a new bracha. Rabbi Yehuda argues and says, no, that's only if they left some people there. But if everyone got up and left, when they come back, they would have to say a new bracha rishonah. So now we asked on Rav Chizda, we brought a b'risa which challenged Rav Chizda, saying that it's only if you leave some people there. That's not a challenge on Rav Chizda because that's Rabbi Yehuda. And Rav Chizda who says that no, any time you go back to your original meal, you don't have to say a bracha rishonah. That would be like the Tanakama. So we have a way to explain Rav Chizda and we'll leave it there for today.